0: A hold of your decks and juggle your d20s. It's time for episode 43 of you shall not pass! Go, go, go. Welcome to the all new, all different You Shall Not Pass Go. Jengis has decided to step away from the podcast for the foreseeable future. So, from this point forward, You Shall Not Pass Go will exclusively be me, Dave, your awesome, plucky other host. And while we'll miss Jengis, I'll do my best to have as many guests and wonderful, flavorful commentary for you as we continue on trekking through the adventure we know as nerddom and geekdom and everything in between. So, today I have my brother Rocco here with me. Hey Dave. And Rocco has been a contributor before if you've listened to our Planet of the Eck podcasts, which there's a third one still in limbo on my computer (laughs) um, but they take a long time to edit but you'll know Rocco's voice from that. Um, Rocco and I've been friends since before I can remember having memory.
1: Probably from the womb.
0: Yeah yeah, honestly and uh, so he's here today to sort of help fill in and we're going to talk a little bit about a whole bunch of things Um, and I, I thought I'd be first First fun thing to talk about, um, so Rocco and I have a very long history of role-playing in Dungeons & Dragons. That's sort of our little uh, little forte or niche, if you will, or niche, depending on your flavor. Um, I like niche. You like niche? I like niche. Rather than niche. <laughs> and uh, I don't know your cursing policy, but niche sounds a little bit like bitch to me. <laughs> open policy. Great. Um, but uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about it since Halloween just ended. And I know that this is always something that we've talked about. Um, so Rocco has an experience that Genghis did never got around to having, I should say, which is um, Rocco has been to a LARP before. Oh. Um, and recently he has picked up going to a new LARP called Orym, which we might have talked about on the last episode. I think we did briefly. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I just kind of wanted to just sort of like roll the clock back before we even talk about recently Like, what do you think it is that draws us in to that extra step? Like, what was it about Lair back in the day? What magic was it that, that, that convinced us to go to that, that place? That convinced us to go because like I think about it and and we always talk about this in our friend group is like memories always shed like this weird golden light. Oh my god, the nostalgia is so strong. Right? And it's like you look at it and you're like it wasn't that bad. And then you go. But, but
1: then you go and it's, <laughs> it's and it really is just
0: not great. And I'm just like in no offense to anybody that goes to Lair Listen, maybe it's your cup of tea. Um, I'm sure very shortly we will discuss all the things about it that.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure we're going to get deep, deep in issues. the weeds if you bring it up right now.
0: I am. all that's happening. But I will say that, like you know, it's just interesting because I'll say so. I'll talk about how this came about from me, and then how it sort of like bled over. So in high school, I decided to like break off and do this artsy fartsy thing and go to a performing arts high school. And when I did, I met our, our mutual friend Joe. And I just sort of, like, absorbed him and our other friend Bobby into our friend group. I do this a lot. I will just grab somebody and, like, an amorphous blob just just bring them into this atmosphere of friends that I've cultivated. It's really true. You really do sick us on each other. And then the thing is, is, like, it works without me, too. Like, I'll just remove myself from the equation and then it still lives on. And so, Joe, like, just as he became him and I became fast friends going to high school neither of us knowing anybody except I mean Joe knew Bobby at the time but like we didn't really know anybody else um and very quickly we found out that we both like D&D and it was great and then just like yeah I go to this thing called Lair and it's awesome I'm like what's Lair he's like it's a LARP and I'm like what's a LARP And he's like it's d but like in the real world you I'm live like, it. I was like oh my god this sounds awesome <laughs> And so one thing led to the next. I went to my first event and I had to have been – Jesus, I had to have been like 14 or 15. that's right. Right? Freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. So – which needed like a parent waiver and all sorts of shit. And then, of course, from there, well, I couldn't not talk about this most amazing experience with all of my other friends. So sure enough, as Joe and everybody sort of – we sort of all become like one large group – and lair bleeds into it eventually i get uh, Rocco to come and our, our friend phil comes and like we got like this this like group that goes and then like it sort of all kind of falls apart from there so let's talk about first like i said what was the magic i mean for me i think it was just the idea that like i loved like i always loved the idea of playing DD, but of course like role playing and acting is always like my thing but um I think the idea that there was like a community of people, a yeah. large community of people that were doing this thing. Yeah. It didn't because there were so many in theory, I guess it didn't sound weird to me at all. And if anything, it sounded like also Joe's a master at wordplay and made it sound like I mean <laughs> Yeah, he
1: should, should have been a salesman because he's a natural. He really he, is. He could he could sell, sell
0: to you have Eskimo. that too, though. You have that. You I, I get a little bit of that you for sure. That. But like, but like, damn man, like I had I had, I had, I had the yearning something fierce. He he told some really great
1: stories about the kind of things that you could do there. And I guess. For me, it was, you know, obviously at the time I I couldn't have told you this, but now that I look back, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is great. You get, you know, five or six people around a table. There's one guy telling the story. Everybody's reacting to it. But there's a there's a limit to that process. Mm. It's uh, the Dungeons and Dragons game is only as good as the Dungeon Master, whereas there's this a layer of complexity to a LARP where anything can happen at any time and 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 different stories or ideas or elements of fantasy can come from any direction. Like I could just turn around and in this bar or in i'm using air quotes here because it was a shack essentially um and 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 any person in that room could be a source of adventure for me i didn't have to rely on a single person Mm -hmm. and i could you know i could find people who were like me in the game but also i think you're right which is that there's clearly a community of people who are like us and for so long you know our history for a long time when we were young we were outcasts for what we liked Mm -hmm. and and the idea that there were 50, 60, 70 people all coming together who had that same uh, love for fantasy and love for the Dungeons & Dragons style action and and drama. Hey, come on, how could you not be interested in it?
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure, like Gen Zers, you may not really understand this concept. <laughs> yeah, because we're in this weird, <laughs> we're in this world, we're, we're in a parallel universe <laughs> that young us never would have dreamed could exist. Like if you had, if you had gone back in time and told young Dave and Rocco playing D and D down in like the basement of Rocco's father's house or like down the shore or something. Like if you had told us at one of those, or even Hunter mountain D and D games, right? With the whole crew. Like if you had told us, Hey, There's a time where not only will D&D be in mainstream culture, but like comic books and video games and everything that you love, you won't be shunned for, but you'll be widely accepted. And if not, like it'll just be a part of pop culture. Yeah, I would have been like bull bull. Shit.
1: I think I think when we were kids, the idea that I could tell some person who I know has no inkling about that sort of nerd culture uh that yeah, I play Dungeon Dragons. And first of all, they not only know what it is, but they'd be like, oh yeah, that's cool. And like the casual acceptance of it is just absolutely it would have been alien to us when we yeah. were kids. I remember a time when I was really young and I had a Dungeons and Dragons book in my backpack and a kid we went to school with saw it. And he somehow knew what it was. was What is this? And he ran around showing everybody. And I was like, it was like one of the most embarrassing days of my life. Wow. Because I didn't want to be outed as that kind of person, as a nerd, as somebody who has those weird tastes or weird uh, hobbies. So it's a totally different world now. But you're right. I think when we were younger, when we were teenagers, that that. The idea of this like mecca of people, all of whom like the things that we like, must have been too much for us to resist.
0: Right. And I feel like that was the that was probably a huge draw for me. Um and also, like you said, the idea of adventure. And like you think to yourself, like, man, like this is gonna be so cool. There's gonna be monsters, and it's gonna be I like, I I almost feel like the expectation and my imagination being a DD player was just so high. Mm-hmm. And then this is where the the pieces of the Jenga
1: start, <laughs> start to slide off. out. I, I want to say one more thing before we get to the horror story, um, which is that it also I think actually impacted me a lot in my love in Dungeons and Dragons for sandbox adventure, right? Because that's what that is. It is a sand. I mean, there, it, you know, you have guys who are doing running plots, right. but the idea, especially in Lair, where it had such a large player base, you could just walk out of the the inn tavern common area, walk out into the woods and expect to meet with adventure that seems to be to you to be completely random. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that actually did later on influence me to love a, a Dungeon Dragon game that's a little bit less railroady. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's something I never really thought of until I, we were talking about it just now, but I do think that it was formative.
0: That's so interesting. For all
1: the, the crap that we're about to discuss, <laughs> <laughs> there are some good things that came from it.
0: Yeah, so... So let's I, get into the shit. Yeah, so like... <laughs> All right, so like I said, the first the first time, it was okay. It was okay yeah. for me. Um, but like, I just, I very quickly, I mean, it's hard to sort of think of where to begin. I'm sure when, it, when the wounds were fresher, you always have more to say, so to speak. And I'm sure as we talk, we might get into the nitty gritty. But like, the, the big thing is, I mean, oh God, where to start? I mean, the first thing is, is the game itself, that particular game, I found to be very quickly not new player friendly
1: yeah the rules are byzantine the, the learning the rules of lair is so difficult um and that's because they were made in like i, don't, I mean i don't really know when the game was established we should probably like find out but but it, it's been going on i think now for like 25 30 years right um and and when they created it for example people who play Dungeons and dragons now let's say you played third fourth fifth edition mm-hmm. you played a game where the rules are, are, are I mean 4th edition was different but between 3rd and 5th like the, the, these rules had been around for decades people had really had a chance to look at them and see what was good and bad about them and refine them over the years as they attempted to do in you know 3rd edition and 4th edition these are like really these are like revision editions where they really try to like tighten up the game and that never happened in Lair
0: I mean in all fairness it did actually happen they're on their 3rd edition rule book but they've been on, on that 3rd edition rulebook for like ages but there are so many uh,
1: what is it called I think it's called like a golden cow or something good. It's the idea of a rule that they can't let go because that rule is so central to the identity of the game right. that they'll never get rid of it even if it's bad. Um, there are examples of that in Dungeons Dragons even today. Um, but but I think they've gotten, they have so many sacred cows, mm-hmm. right, sacred cows. Mm-hmm. So right. many of these in in Lair, so many things that they can't get rid of that they really ought to. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we, when we talk about Aurum, one of the things I'm going to wax lyrical about is how obviously this game was made pretty recently and they learned from Lair's mistakes to make a very simple game, and that's one of the great things about it. But, um, but, but Lair, man, the, the and it's ruler, not,
0: and it's nuts. not even just rules. Like in terms of not being new player, oh, and friendly, the social it's, aspect of it. Which it's, I'm sure you're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's like so. Even if you get a handle on the on a basic concept of the rules and, and how to go about playing the game, yeah. the biggest thing is is and using a Dungeons and Dragons sort of analogy here, mm-hmm. it's like the level one NPCs walking into the level 30 adventure. Like the people who have so far surpassed the game that they're not even in the rules anymore because they're beyond the rules. Mm -hmm. And the game at this point is really built for them and their stories because they've been doing it for years. And I get that. I get it. But at the same time, like you just never... If you want to be a part of that culture,
1: you have to have been there for you have to have been there in the beginning to reap the rewards they've given themselves over the years.
0: Right. Or you have to pay dues Mm -hmm. of years of being around to finally for finally people to be like, okay, now you're a part of this and now you're accepted. Now, like we can sort of like bring you into this inner circle because it just felt like you're I just felt so useless all the time, as, and you, and you as, were
1: useless by the
0: rules, right? That's I mean, you really were. And I, and I don't get me wrong, like from a and aspect, I get it. Like, yes, level one PCs, maybe at least from old D and D. That's one thing that Fifth Edition has sort of it sort of a mitigated little bit that in, right in the sense that like it's more the
1: tension more that weak things stay relevant as you grow in D and D now.
0: But that's that could be said the same for PCs. Technically, yes, monsters would be incredibly hard at higher levels, but still, like.
1: If it's you look possible. at the if you look at
0: the HP yeah. values of like even higher yeah, level monsters right like you you might see a level 10 vampire that's got like 57 HP, and that seems like oh, that's a lot. But if you're a fighter at level one, you could easily be swinging for 2d6 with a big sword and then add on like a sweet feat. Like, you know <laughs> it's, it's, I mean? it's, like it's okay, it's like, in the like, realm of
1: possibility. I, I understand what you're saying, but which like, is that they've, they've really just taken the windows of like the highest power level and, and squashed it down,
0: right? But at Lair, it's more of old school D&D where it's, it's like very
1: inspired, I feel like, by like second edition,
0: yeah, and you're just useless, man. Like, you go in there, and it's like, and unless there's that random Morning goblin like that's your time right your time would They're be real, like man. in the morning the wake up call when they'd send out like dink gas goblins to wake people up. Yeah that's your time as your level one PC for you to go out and be like, I can do this.
1: Right. Now, now, that's the big difference, of course, between a Dungeons & Dragons game uh, and and what this live action experience is, is that there's a continuity of the game. For example, when we play different modules and different campaigns, every like year or two, we'll switch it up, right? Right. And we'll start fresh. And, and of course, the game of Dungeons & Dragons grows with the players. Right. right? So you start at level one, and all you're going to be dealing with is level one. I mean, like, we talk about this vampire that you might be able to slay, but no dm is ever going to throw him at you because they have an understanding of what your character should be capable of and that's what challenge ratings exist for and that's you know so that you customize it to your character level whereas in lair they have they they obviously have such a wide range of power levels Mm. that that they're going to have to throw both at you and and in a game where you've just signed up and you're in this formative stage where you're still trying to figure out whether you even want to stick with this game. Mm. And you find yourself to be so useless because the game must cater to these guys who have been here for 25 years. These, like, 50-year-old men who have been there since since they were, like, our age. They were in their, like, 30s. <laughs> and, and 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 they want to have fun, too, and they deserve to have fun. But the system has not been refined to allow both them to have fun and new players. And, therefore, it what is it going to bank on? It's going to bank on its, its shore of things, okay. the guys who have been there for 20 years. And that's just, unfortunately, it's a design flaw of the game that and they have made been able to fix.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then it gets compounded, as we said, that bleeds into the social aspect of the game. Yeah. You not only feel like nothing in terms of, like, your basic abilities in terms of mechanics, but, like, the social aspect of the game, Yeah, you are, like, you're, you're, you're pond shit. water. Yeah, you're, you're, like, a pond, fucking, exactly. there's nothing you can do. There are three
1: aspects that you want to consider when you're thinking about a LARP, and I'm not, like, a professor. I have only I really haven't been to that many LARP experience is probably like 10 or 12 in my lifetime, but that's enough to have gotten. I feel like there's the, there's the rules, there's the social, and then there's the physical, Mm. right? Which is the actual fighting and the actual casting, you know? So those are the three things I feel like you can critique with a LARP. And you're right. the, The social aspect of it is, is tough to break into because the, the people there, part of having a system that rewards you for staying so long is that people get a real ego about them for having stayed long because the game rewards dedication. So if you have shown dedication to the game, you have this sort of – this this chip on your shoulder compared to all these other people who are brand new. They haven't done anything. They don't know anything. When you talk to these people in character, they can't stop talking. It's, it's like – um I don't know. What's a good example? You know, like somebody who has like – maybe they've gone to Hollywood, right? And they've met some great actors. And all mm-hmm. they want to do is name drop on you all the time. And you're mm-hmm. like, I don't – I mean, these are, these are famous people and it's great that you met them. But like, I don't give a shit, right? right. It's great. It's cool. But I can only hear about it so much. But when you go to Lair, all you're going to hear about is these people talking about things people have done before you and how awesome that is. And by comparison, you feel like nothing.
0: Right. And then, like, the nobility in the game, they just, you know, I mean, there's just. A, they're unkillable. Yeah. They cannot be stopped. They cannot be stopped at all. Which, I mean, I know we're jumping around here, but another big flaw for me is you know i gotta put my thoughts in order i'm gonna backtrack for half a second and then get to what i'm about to say Mm -hmm. backtracking i should say that i feel like on the tier of three of the three things you can critique about a larp for me going back to what we were saying in terms of drawing us in I feel like your social aspect of the game should be probably, in my opinion, your number one priority. Yes, your plot could probably be shitty. And yes, your combat probably needs to be decent, but it might be shitty too. But if people are enjoying each other's company and having a good time with each other, you're going to want to come back. Even if the combat is shitty, even if the plot's just mediocre. Yeah. If you say that this is a great group of people that I'm enjoying spending time with, that's the thing that's bringing you to a LARP. Because honestly, otherwise, like, what are you going for? You're not – I mean, there will be that small group of people that are like, I'm going because I really just want to, like – bash people with foam weapons and that's maybe Phil that's Phil and <laughs> well like the majority of people that are showing up to these LARPs it's it's a social thing as a lot of you know I say all the time D&D is, is a very social game and one thing that I like about it is that in-person factor of mm-hmm. D&D D&D over the internet feels stale to me the same way watching a live theater performance recorded feels stale there's a certain yeah, there, energy. there is an
1: energy in the room
0: Right. Right. So at a LARP, it's that com- it's that compounded over and over again because now you're in not just in like sitting down in your imaginations. Now you're like trying to live it and breathe it mm-hmm. with a group of people. So if the social dynamic isn't solid, all oh, that shit's going to fall apart. You're not going to want to be there. You're not going to want to. So lie. how
1: did you feel about the
0: social fabric of Lair? I, as I said, I, I hated it yeah. because I just felt like nobody was really. You had one or two people. I shouldn't say nobody. There was like one or two people who, for what they did attempt, allowed me to sort of like, like sort of tried to bring me in in some way. Yeah. I'm like, hey, this guy is new. And, and and one of those people was uh was Dom of the Thieves Guild. Mm-hmm. He was the, at the time, that was a character who was the leader of the Thieves Guild. Okay. And I remember he was really cool. And I went out, like he brought me out on like a little like looting mission with him early on in the morning. You yeah. Know, like he like. Took me under his wing and let me join the thieves' guild, and like, there was like a lot of cool little things with that. That um, that that he was really good, but that was like that one person. For the most part, most people seemed unapproachable. You would try to talk to them, and they would have other business yeah, to they don't attend have time to for you because
1: they they have a full and rich life that doesn't need you to be included.
0: Exactly, and so I just never felt like you know. I I then and this brings me to the point I was trying to get to before before I backtracked, which is I then did the thing that I thought you know, any logical person would do and is turn evil, break right back. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, well, fuck these people. Ugh. If I'm not going to be social with anybody, I might as well just murder everyone. Uh, doesn't role-playing reveal your true soul? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am a Slytherin. Yeah. Um, but I, uh. but I literally was just like, I was like, maybe that'll make the game fun. And therein lies my next issue with the game is the game does not cater to an evil character. What
1: it doesn't cater to is somebody who doesn't follow its... Um, it's either it's plotline like you going rogue and being evil is not in the design of the plot as it's supposed to be, and therefore you're like this rogue agent that they don't actually really want, hmm. and and that the, that feeling of not of of when you create an initiative on your own, and this is something that I want to expound on even more because this idea of of, of an initiative. It, it comes from Dungeons and Dragons, and I'll talk about that in a second, but the uh, the idea of you... <laughs> Roll for it. The, the <laughs> no, not that kind of an issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but the, the idea of you being a rogue agent and that being something that's kind of not overtly discouraged because nobody will tell you not to do it. They actually have rules for it. And I remember like, didn't you like learn necromancy or something? I did. Right?
0: I mean, and that... Which is
1: like illegal and
0: evil and wrong in that. Is, I feel like is, there was a know. group of people that were really excited that I that there was somebody was trying to do the evil thing. Yeah. But the problem was I very quickly like, at the time we had known... There was this guy, Dave, who was like the Duke of Avalon in game, out of game. We knew some of us knew him because we were going to CCM at the time Mm -hmm. and we and we knew him and his wife, Amy, and they were both big lair players and had found out that a player in the game, I was supposed to be on uh, a module of my own where I was like they take you out of the forest and essentially it's like oh, I remember I remember the story. Yeah, you're like you're this supposed to be miles away this from where the the game is proper. So anybody passing if they were to overhear anything or whatever, like they're just supposed to keep walking and ignore what it is they're seeing and hearing because yeah. you're not actually there. Well, this girl Lilith, character name, I don't know who her actual name was, who's was part of the Goody Two Shoes Paladins Guild, was like hiding in the forest and just happened to come upon this module and whether or not, I don't know whether or not she knew it was pretty clear because I'm pretty sure we had like out of game headbands on and shit and things were going down. So like they, all the signals were up that this was Sometimes not they even Like
1: rope it off with like, yeah, yeah. I, they, they do. They do take pains to make sure people know, like, don't come here. This is not for you.
0: Right. And so like that shit was like signaled off saying like, Hey, shit's going on here. I met like the leader of the necromancers guild. I learned necromancy. She goes and blabs to the Duke of Avalon. So instantly every noble in the game that can kill me with like a, a wink of their eye. Yeah. Cause I'm a low level character like literally they all find out that i'm i've turned evil that i've i've like sworn to kill the nobles and i've learned necromancy so much so that then i tell dave i'm like you're never going to guess what happened at the over the game He's like oh yeah you became a necromancer right and i was like how do you know that he's like well lilith told me she was spying i was like what do you mean she was spying like she wasn't supposed to be there and i told him the particulars. he's like oh that's bad because it got back to me the duke and we're planning on murdering you in the next game and i literally have not been back to Lair since because you can't murder me if I'm not. <laughs> you
1: can't here. murder me if I don't fucking exist. <laughs> and, and,
0: and then Amy Amy goes to tell, she goes, she tells me, she's like, she's like, yeah. And once again, fundamental issue here. She's like, if you want to turn evil in Lair, she's like, that's not the way you do it, which part of me wanted to be like, don't my, tell me how to do it. Well, that's the first thing. And then don't the second me. thing is, I wanted to be like, my biggest issue with that sentence is, if you want to turn evil, which means you're not catering to the people who come into this game saying, I want to play this type of character. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is, is like, they have to do this thing. They have to turn evil. Even if they've been evil all along, they have to play this game. And the game is, she's like, you have to essentially, once again, pay your dues, become one of those ridiculously high level characters. And only then when you can like stand on your own two feet against all these other people, do you then finally reveal, ha I've been evil all along. And see, that what does that speak to? It speaks to a culture of like, this is
1: the way it's done. This is the way it's always been done. And we're not interested in initiative. Right. Right. We're not interested in like you doing things your way, which is the the spirit of Dungeons and Dragons is that is boundless creativity. The greatest thing about the game is that there is no, there are rules for how to settle conflicts, but there is no rule for what kind of conflicts you can choose to have. Mm. And, and so – in in, in Lara, I think what your, your example just now is is indicative of like the whole culture, which is, you know, when things last for too long and there's no great revolutions that turn them over and make them rethink the way that their culture is, you're going to get that kind of behavior where people are going to tell you like, listen, like even though what you did, like it makes fine sense. You're, you're just a guy. You got – you found a necromancer. You were seduced by his message. You became a necromancer. But we're not going to let you ever succeed because – you didn't do it the way that we are used to it being done this the the i was talking uh to phil the other day and and one of the things that we talked about uh especially in regards to what we want to do and specifically what i want to do in Orem, is is this idea that like you have to come from a dungeon master's perspective because there's a player's perspective which is listen to my dungeon master do as he wants try and follow the tropes that he's going for right you want to be a good player so the dungeon master caters to you and to a degree you cater to the dungeon master right if you if you have like an idea at the table the dungeon master doesn't like want you to do this thing Mm. there's a lot of times where it's probably the best choice to just not do it and that's okay you know because you're at a table with a few people and you can always talk and say out loud what you want and you can have a discussion about it but in a game like this i I truly believe in, in a larp you have to go with a dungeon master's mindset which is where i'm going not only just to have fun but to create fun mm. for other people and and if you don't have that mindset you end up being very selfish and, and you start getting very uh you get gatekeepery right like you don't let people do certain things because like maybe it infringes on your fun or something like that, but mm-hmm. but but I do believe that the truth is is that if you go to one of these things and you have this mindset of I want to make as many people have fun with me as possible, you create a great experience. And a game that allows you to do that without having some social roadblocks there is going to be better than a game like or a situation like you just you know relate to us where you're you're there's no rule that says you can't do that. It's just somebody telling you you shouldn't do that, right. which is crap.
0: It flies it, in the
1: face of the creativity.
0: And and yet it's. That one memory is the only reason I've ever thought about going back.
1: Is the idea that you have this necromancer in your pocket and you can do something fun with it. It
0: Is the fact that like... I have I have played, I've literally played the long game, that she, the exact game that she said, in the best way.
1: <laughs> it's been because so long they don't even remember I exist. Exactly. I know, that's your, that's is, your that, is
0: that I go back in and maybe a couple people, maybe, right. may, and maybe, and even then, we're talking like one or two maybe remember my name, mm-hmm. character name. But the idea like, that you're a necromancer. But the idea oh, that yeah. I'm a necromancer is so far gone that yeah. I know I could come back and now it's like I'm, I've done it. Like, I've infiltrated it. <laughs>
1: now then you even, have to grapple with the question of, do I really give a shit about these people in no, their story? And the answer is probably no. The
0: answer is no. The answer is, like, it'd be great for a single session, I have a feeling, and then I don't know if I'd ever want to go back. It's
1: the and Necromancer in you that wants to escape. It's the evil inside your soul, Dave, that wants the, to go there and ruin their fun. That's it. I <laughs> because, just really just want to fuck you, like, how dare you tell me I can't do
0: that and this. And I would way. just love to just, like, just to be like, I've done it. I did something that you all thought was impossible.
1: <laughs> I, as a level three necromancer, I've taken have, down the kingdom. I
0: became no, just be like <laughs> just come back and be like, I did the thing. I became evil in my own right. I fooled all of you. How? By not paying for your stupid ass game all these years, <laughs> for five years, and just and just banking on the fact that you just uh, don't have long term uh, memory, <laughs> because someone like me wasn't important enough to stay in your long term memory. That's right. Hence the fundamental issue that we have right now with your game. That's hilarious. But like you know what I mean. And then I would just never go back. But the other yeah. thing is, let's just, just don't do have,
1: kill people in the night and then just leave.
0: I don't have a full weekend to spend. But that's one thing about. So now, kind of shifting gears slightly. Yet Orum. Yeah, So, so you've oh, gone oh, oh, twice. I I've gone twice and I'll be going a third time this month. Um When's the event in November? You say it's, it for the audience. It
1: is on the 16th, I believe, November 16th. Um that next weekend. That is next weekend. Uh it's going to be um yeah, it's going to be my third time going and uh and in in the two times I've visited. Now granted, this game is probably about a year old, mm-hmm. right? But in the two times I've gone, I have I've made I've gotten people's respect. I've made friends in the game, right? My character has done all these things. I feel I feel like um most everybody knows my name at this point in the game. When I when the second time I came there and I pulled up in my car and they were doing the setup, somebody greeted me by my first name. Somebody was like, "Hey Rocco." And I was like, "What? You know my name?" Right? Which is like it's 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 not that like it's just the idea that like I came one time and I, I communicated with somebody like you know uh, through email. I created uh, his name is Ulf and he is the plot director guy there, and I, I emailed him back and forth with some questions one time. So obviously he didn't know me. It's just the personal touch of a small game that they're still they're still growing, right? Um, I feel like the 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 amount of people there is anywhere between like. Uh, depending on the month it would be like 20 to 30 people so it's not a huge game like lair which can pull like a hundred people I feel like I'm gonna making these numbers up because I don't really remember <laughs> but it, it felt like a lot of people it, did, it, it felt did. like a whole like convention of people um but in the two times I've gone there first of all uh their their design philosophy which is wonderful is that skills go uh, um I think the the terminology is like they scale wide um rather than like deep or tall or whatever it is is the idea that you can that your skills you can learn lots of different skills but the power level never goes so high that you be that somebody is irrelevant compared to somebody else right even in the very first game i went there and I chose probably the least useful class when I went there because it is a steampunk uh, uh, LARP, and and so you know uh, I played a, a pretty much a wizard, which is like that's not what people go to steampunk LARPs to play. So so my character didn't have a lot of like times to shine, and yet even then I sh- I was shining more often than I ever did in Lair. Sure. Um. So I have I have really positive things to say about it. No game is perfect, right? And uh, of course you know in the three different things that you can critique um i think the plot is actually pretty good i think the social group is actually pretty good and of course unfortunately the game suffers from the just the physical reality of larping which is that like you know, you're not going to have, like, these fights that are, like, incredibly epic where, like, you feel like a real swordsman sometimes because, you know, everybody there is not, like, a fencer, you know, like friggin' Phil is or something. You know, everybody's not going to be some great sword fighter or master tactician. So the battles are pretty straightforward, but it is a game where they – they it, it, there's two types of, of LARPs for those of you who are not initiated into the secret world, um, and it's – there's parlor LARPs and I guess – I guess the other one is called, like, maybe athletic or whatever. Parlor LARP just means is a lot of talking and not a lot of physical action, mm-hmm. right? So there are some people who have certain physical inabilities, you know, maybe, like, let's say you... Um you, know, you have an injury, or you have asthma, or something like that. Like you, you can't run around and swat people with these foam weapons, but you still want to have an experience where you're living this fantasy life in person. So that's what a, that's what a parlor role play is. And then there's the they consider lair hilariously. Lair is the athletic role play. Like as far as people, I are agree concerned, with that. I, they call that the athletic one. That's like one of the most athletic ones.
0: I agree, hundred percent. I think there's
1: a lot of physicality involved in it. You have a lot of HP, which means you got to whack people for a while to get them down.
0: But also think about think about the concept of what you just said, a parlor LARP is bringing back to a story from Lair. How many times like Joe, for instance, my biggest, my biggest thing, especially our first time. And even our second time going was Joe's favorite thing to do. Wasn't go out and no, it was was to, he wanted to stay at the bar and see if we could like, talk and role play the mm-hmm. problem is no one did
1: no you're we right we would
0: just sit there and eat cup noodles from Ido's bar <laughs> and like literally like once in a while someone would come back come by and it'd be like you know you want to go on an adventure or? well not even like it'd just be like a hello like you know like you know how fare you and like you know it would be like oh yes fine day this is and then that's it, and <laughs> that's your that's your role play. And then you and then you sit there eating your cup noodle, looking sad and kind of cold because it's you know drafty, and, you're just, and it's
1: just like you know I didn't so, so I didn't think about that.
0: But you're right; it, so, it's
1: athletic because it's just simply not parlor. Exactly, there's no other alternative. It must be athletic. The most role no play that
0: happens is when you're out in the field. It's true. whacking and saying you know two body, two body, two body.
1: Yeah. Um. One of the things that they did really good at Orem, um, is that they have uh, first of all. They've designed the game so that any adventure that you do is really not something that you could, I mean, I don't think even in Lair you could do this, like you could solo it, you know. Mm. But there is a a, a necessity for for connecting to other people to use their unique skills to help you out for whatever you're trying to do. Um, And also the thing that's best about it, I think my favorite thing about it, is that the players from day one have the ability to create new abilities, powers, skills, technologies for themselves mm-hmm. there is in in Lair. you there's a there's a rule book it tells you what the powers that you can get is you know you play this character class or you probably not this character class because you can buy almost anything right. you really do have the option to be create whatever character you want within their framework whereas oram allows you to expand on their framework and so for example this upcoming event my character will have just invented a spell that no one's ever seen before no one's ever done before i invented it It's my character spell. I can choose to give it to other people. I can choose to charge for it. It's mine, right? And in in a year's time, it will become public right? Mm-hmm. But for a year, I'm the only person who knows the spell if I choose it to be. But more importantly, I created it. And you work in tandem with the people who run the game. Um, you, cre- you You submit between the games what's called an SDA. Um, I don't remember exactly what that stands for, I'm going to be honest. But um, it, what it is is you write to them. Some
0: dumb ass. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know the last word is action, so we'll call it some dumb action. Um, it's something that you do between games, you know, in the downtime where your character is creating a spell like my character did or researching a technology or going out into the world and investigating something and then they'll write back what the consequences are and that has ramifications on your next game. It's a really cool system Um, but the idea of it being that you, that the the players expand the lore and expand the powers of the game itself Hmm. is a really cool idea that gives people the ability to be useful from almost day one Hmm. to the greater game. Um, Now, we were talking about parlor versus athletics it's it's about half and half but i but that because of that interconnectivity and the uniqueness that you can create for yourself there is always a reason to go talk to somebody else right because you can discover that they have things that you might need that you don't even know exist mm-hmm. there is the, the the idea in Lair that everything is a known commodity you know, the people who have been here forever know every power and ability that you could possibly have. Mm-hmm. They probably know the statistics of every monster you're ever going to face. There are no surprises for those people except for plot surprises. Oh, I can't believe this person did this. But I know how he did it. I know what he did it with. I know the magic that he did it with. Right? Um, I'm sure at the highest levels, maybe they'll invent new things every once in a while. But that 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 newness is always flourishing, I think, based on what I'm, I'm seeing in Orym. So I think it fixes the problem that you mentioned which is that there's nothing to talk about there's definitely things to talk about with other characters mm-hmm. and their world their their lore is pretty rich too um and and obviously the people that actually go to this game themselves maybe it's because they have this fresh new possibility with this new game but they are excited
0: mm-hmm.
1: they are they're trying new things they're having fun they're exploring interesting and unique characters i think it's really i really Recommend it to anybody in the tri-state area who wants to go. It's great.
0: I keep saying I want to go, and the other thing that I like about it is it's, it's one day. It's one day, which isn't forever,
1: a, by the way. But that, me, that's know. a shame. It, it, like because next year, they're going to start doing two-day events and or maybe whole weekend events, but you can still
0: go for one day. But see, right then and there, it almost just killed it for me. In fact, I would say just put the recommendation out into the ether to keep it one day. And the only reason I say this is though you may feel differently now
1: Once as someone there, who has
0: as someone who has a family. As someone who has kids, like kids that are not of an age that I can bring them. Like when they're an age where I can bring them, sure, weekend events, like cool, whole family can go. Yeah. But when you are strapped for cash, so you don't want to bring a lot of people anyway. Yeah. And when you are, you don't have kids that you can bring, it's hard to say, I'm going to leave for a whole weekend. And yes, I know logistically, it's the same, it's another one of those reasons why I haven't been back to Lair. Because logistically, yes, I could go back to Lair, let's say, for just the saturday Mm -hmm. between the hours of 10 to 10 which is what Aurum is that's correct and i could do that but in the back of my mind i now know that i've missed whatever the setup was on friday that got this whole thing going yeah i'm gonna miss most of the good shit that happens in the middle like at midnight on saturday night which is like the big night right in lair it is who knows what's gonna be in Aurum. well that's what i'm saying like i'm talking yeah but definitely in lair and then on sunday i'm gonna miss whatever happens in the aftermath and I know that I'm missing that makes me not want to PC. I could totally NPC for like some hours at Lair because at the end of the day, as an NPC, I'm like, I'm affecting the immediate right now. Right, And, 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 and
1: you're everything. always going to have action because they're going to keep sending you out, which right. is fun. More fun sometimes than PCing. Um, and also, right, you're like any story, given story that you're participating in lasts for 20 minutes and then you you go on to the next thing. So it doesn't. You're not missing out.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But as a PC, to find out that, like, I would have to miss part of my time and also pay. That's the other thing. Unless they're going to scale the pay. Like, Lair. They, they
1: do scale the pay. Okay, I mean, it, it, like, one day is $20. I think a a, like a two-day or a whole weekend is, like,
0: $50. So, like, you, you can tear it out. So then that's at least a little bit better because I don't think Lair did. I don't know if they do now. But I think back in the day, like, you, you either were paying or you weren't. And it yeah. was the same price regardless. Yeah. And – but even still, like, knowing that – it's also like FOMO, you know what I mean? Like that, you get major FOMO. Like yeah. I, I suffer when it comes to like fun shit. Like I think everybody suffers from FOMO in some in some ways. But like when it comes to when it comes to stuff, like even now with you guys going to Orem, I have so much FOMO. Yeah, about it. I can imagine. Because like you guys talk about it and it seems fun, and all I want to do is go. But it's once again, it's hard for me in both not only in terms of family, but like for instance, like in my job, right? Like we just. Our fall show just finished, but up until then, there was a lot of Saturday work days and Mm, rehearsals where I I just could not make it out. So, like, I actually think, do I have anything going on next Saturday? I feel like next Saturday is an EDH thing that I set up. Yep, I set up EDH, and I have a, a tooth filling in the morning. I mean, granted, I could reschedule EDH, but even then, like... I've already got people coming to it, people right. counting on it. So that's I'm, I guess I'm not coming to the November event. So maybe December. Maybe now. Now,
1: when you get to December ones, I believe they're entirely indoors. Now it's like it's hard parlor. That's cool. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you don't mind, but that's something that they do because, of course, it's the winter months, and I guess they don't have
0: people outside. But it's just something to consider. Totally fine with that. But like my whole thing is like I have like it's hard because I want to be there with you guys, and I want to I want to enjoy it with you, and I want to have that camaraderie. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's like. But like once again, the moment it becomes a three-day or a weekend thing, is the moment almost like guarantee that it's dead to me.
1: I I I, I have. I have a little bit of faith because of the experience I've had there. These guys make pretty wise decisions as a general rule. So my hope is that it's almost like three separate chapters over a weekend. I don't know that that's going to be the case. But if I were them designing this game, that is how I would do it. Because they have set up for a year a one-day event. It People would... have an idea of a one-day event being what you get. When they change it to two days, maybe even a whole like you know Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. I hope that what they do is every day... There's a new thing. So if you just come on Saturday, you get the Saturday story. And even though you might miss a Sunday story, it's not like the Saturday story bleeds into Sunday and you never get the resolution to your story.
0: Right. I'm so you hoping. can at least have something.
1: Right. Where you but get a story to completion. I
0: would still have, like I said, it wouldn't – It wouldn't. It wouldn't st- knowing that like let's say they made it a full weekend. Yeah. Knowing that like you all let's say were there from Friday to Sunday. Like knowing that you all had shown up Friday – and then I missed whatever because like inevitably you're gonna no matter even if the story ends. It's gonna be
1: something cool that we did that you weren't there for.
0: And you're gonna talk about it. Like and not not in terms of like, hey, you never like hey <laughs> hey, Dave, but it just, just what you missed no. But just plot wise, like you might just say, like, you know last night's battle was rough like you know that yeah. whatever thing Try to, and and now I have to sit there and be like yeah, yeah that sounds cool that sounds I'm so I'll be there. honest with you
1: I I, I think uh, <laughs> I'm just like I got too much of an adult life I don't think I can do a whole weekend Yeah. so even if you do end up coming I still might only do Saturdays anywhere maybe Friday night into Saturday which I'm, maybe you could swing but no, no. <laughs> nope they would never
0: no. never fly alright well anyway I never, never nap.
1: I don't think it starts very early on. I don't know I don't really know the logistics of the timing but I just know that they're and extend it into next year um but i i do think that might still be one dayers for me um you know that that said um there was something i want to talk about and it totally slipped my mind i think it was the oh it was the npc situation so just so you know mm-hmm. um listeners uh, may not know how this works but in lair you go and you get a certain uh, you know you let's say you're going there to PC or to be a player character to play your character, Um, you have to then spend some time during the day volunteering as an NPC Mm -hmm. as a monster that does not exist. It's
0: and it's a few hours, and 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 mind you, you paid you paid for that. You paid like forty five bucks minimum. I think that's with pre-reg. It's like forty five bucks. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, If I remember correctly, you paid forty five dollars for your weekend. And you still have to essentially work for them for a small period of time.
1: Now, I which I, I don't I, hate it because, you know, that makes the game run. And right. what do we all want? We want everybody to have a good time. Exactly. So you make the sacrifice and everybody does it without complaint. But that does not exist in Orum. There is no mandatory NPC shift. Mm. Um, what they do instead is they give you things for doing NPC shifts. And, and they have options that you can only buy certain things for your character uh, with the the currency that you get from doing NPC shifts. So right. it incentivizes rather than demands, and I think that's a great, that's a great design philosophy. They get a pretty okay amount of NPCs. Obviously, they're not getting the amount that Lair gets. I think of the last time there maybe were like six, seven, or eight, which is okay for a group of like 30 people. It's, yeah,
0: that's fine. It's not
1: bad. You know, and, and generally because a group's so small, a lot of people are together when they do things. So like they don't um, you know, they don't have everybody running around in a bunch of different directions. Now, what you don't have at Orem is the thing that we were talking about earlier, where you can wander off and encounter something. That does not happen at Orem. Everything has a plot marshal, which is essentially like a dungeon master, there every time you go on an adventure. So you, somebody will come in, you know, an NPC will say like, I need you to do this. And right, if you choose to go with them, that person usually who's asking you is the the plot marshal who will then follow you and he'll be your guide through the adventure. There is none of that random chance. However, the plot marshals are essentially throwing random things at you, so you still get the same feeling. It's not like, it doesn't really dilute the experience And any. Actually, I think it's even more useful Hmm. because all the skills that you want to use, you get feedback right away, whether they worked or not. Um, You have somebody telling you what you're seeing. You have, you can ask the guy questions. So it's actually very helpful, but it's a difference. It's a difference, just so you know what kind of difference you might be walking into when you go. Um, But I think it's great. I think it's great. I really do. I have a lot of good things to say about it. Nothing's perfect. Mm. You know,
0: again... Um, do they take Lair Avalonian coins? No. Oh, they
1: have... A, their currency is called Kroner, and it's these little, uh, like, paper, cardboardy strips of paper <laughs> um, that say one kroner or five kroner. Um, so, no, because I'm sure you're like... Are you, like, Lair Rich? <laughs> I, wouldn't say,
0: I wouldn't say Lair Rich, but I would say they wouldn't know... Once again, if I were to go back, mm. they wouldn't know where all my money came from. <laughs> and the answer is the NPC cabin. You just like you just like
1: stealing fake there, money. There was that
0: I was so disillusioned last time that last time that I I I will admit I took a big handful. Good for you. Of like silver and copper from the NPC cabin and just shoved it in my pocket. What uh,
1: I don't know if Phil did this, but we were planning on it, and I did it. Is I took an NPC card. Oh, did you? Yes. So I can technically go to Lair, not tell anybody I'm there, walk out of the woods, and be a wizard. <laughs> and I just, I just, if people find me, I can just fuck them up with wizardry. Yeah. And what are they gonna say? They'll be like, "Show me your card." i would be like, "Here, bitch, look at this. I have all these spells. I'm actually a really good wizard." Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. And they can't know because I'm out in the middle of the woods. There's nobody there to tell me I'm lying. Yeah. Anyway, it of was, course,
0: until someone from Lair listens to this podcast. Yeah, if right. right. If anybody all, from Lair listens to this podcast, Laird, that best laid plans gone to waste. I'm not going to do that. I didn't mean to take the card. I actually kept it in my pocket. Oh, I did myself. mean to take those coppers and silvers, and I am not giving them back. someday Come and, someday come and claim them. This, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want them, come and claim them. <laughs> oh, dude. Sidebar. Yeah. So um, I'm at work, and I get an email from um, a parent of a student who wants to join my stage crew. Mm-hmm. Signs her name at the end of the email, Galadriel. That person's name is really Galadriel. Her name is Galadriel, and I email her back, and my first response is just like, "Before I talk about what you wanted to talk about, let me just say, your name is as amazing. a Lord of the Rings fan, <laughs> I am so happy that your name is Galadriel, <laughs> and I need to ask you, is that, is this a Lord of the Rings reference? And then like, I, and then of course, I I'm back to business about her, right. her, her child, and then when she emailed me back. She was like, and there was no LOLs or anything, so I don't know if she's just like tired of it or I, it's hard to read like responses yeah, yeah, the right. email. But long story short, yeah, she was named Galadriel after Galadriel, and I was just like, there it is. Your parents are amazing. Just imagine if she was named Galadriel, not after Galadriel. Oh yeah, that'd be, a, bummer. <laughs> that'd that'd be a, a solid bummer.
1: That'd be a hell of a coincidence. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's
0: there's as a podcast that uses the Lord of the Rings reference.
1: Yeah, right. As That's your title a derivative
0: of our name. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. Um, what else can I say about this LARP? Um, so I am I I enjoy combat, right? I we've always since we were little kids been swinging around foam swords at each other before we even knew that that was a thing that people did aside from us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so I, that is something that I like a lot. It it's you know in lair, you find a monster and what do you do? You know, it's going to be hard to explain because you're just hearing me, but for the listener, if you've never been to a LARP,
0: or maybe you've seen the movie. What's that movie? Uh where they go to Lair. Oh yeah. Right? They actually went to which is weird. To this day, I don't know if Lair made money from that because they used like the exact it's Lair, right? They used the same I'm
1: acronym. Sh- I believe that they went there for research. Like I feel like they were involved with each other. I don't know, obviously the details. I'm not really It's
0: called Role Models, by the way. Role models, it, that's it, right. And it stars uh Paul Rudd. Um, uh, Christopher Mintz-Platt's, yep, and uh, Sean William Scott,
1: yeah. Now these guys, they have this great battle where they dress up like Kiss, and then they have this like epic duel, right? You remember that, yeah? Um, now that can give you an impression that the combat there might be like cinematic, and it is, of course, absolutely not. at yeah. Lair, and also mostly not at Orem. and that is because. Uh, everybody has really high hit points and I'm talking about Lair right now. Everybody has really high hit points, right? And so what that means is you have to beat people with like drumsticks, which is where you're just going, bah, 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 right? As many times as you can hit them, there's really no, there's really no fun sword play to it for the most part. It's usually like a gang of people surrounds one person. And then they just like, again, they beat them like a drum until the guy thinks his HP is down. In Orum, everything, just like in fifth edition Dungeons Dragons, everything has been shrunken. The numbers are all shrunken. Um... For example, in Orem, you do not have hit points. Mm. There is, if you get hit in the torso, you go down. It is like a one-strike thing to your torso, and you're on the ground. Now, there's other rules that make that not sound as absolutely bat shit as it does sound because it sounds like no fun at all um also you you, but 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 the way it works is warriors will have something called tough which is essentially hit points Mm. so they can get one two three four ranks of tough which gives them one two three four more hits which is the equivalent of hit points Mm. right so warriors are very hard to take down because if you're fighting a warrior he needs to hit you exactly one time and you need to hit him five times so that seems like it could make a really cool dynamic. Like
0: warriors only have a few hits. It it, it functionally
1: ends up being pretty much the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Um which, okay, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Go for here. it. Okay. Playing devil's advocate, we are probably very highly influenced by movies and media. Not role models particularly, but just in general. About what th- sword fighting looks like. About what sword fighting looks like. Because if you think about it. If I want to murder someone, I'm not going to be flowery about it. I'm going to take my sword and bop, 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 bop mm-hmm. until they're dead. Right. So I mean, granted, the the length of the strikes might be a little bit larger rather than rapid succession small love taps, right? And there might be like a little bit more power behind my swings. But yeah, I'm I'm baseball swinging this yeah, sword, like, you know what I mean? Like
1: Skywalker, and, and like, like the end of the third movie, where he's just like beating Darth Vader. But that's right what I'm saying. Like, that kind it's, of like it's rage. Like, it's it with, is. Yeah, that's how a person would really fight.
0: You're not you're not getting in there and and using Star Wars references, you're not going in there with like Phantom Menace style twirly twirlies and
1: (laughs) duel of fates kind of stuff. Right. Like Um,
0: you are, you are going in and you're doing the most effective way to hit somebody with your weapon as fast as possible. So
1: let me, let me give you a scene from what I had experienced in my, I think it was the first event. Now player on player violence is extraordinarily rare. In Orem, so far as I have
0: seen, well, because um, there's like 30 characters, one person turns evil, and everybody, dies. everybody, and they're all like
1: together most of the time as well, right? And, and, well,
0: Which is he, why my first and last.
1: <laughs> <order>. <laughs> um,
0: so oh, there's so many coming with a firearm and just take <laughs> somebody really important out in the first game. Well, see that now. Here's oh, another thing about
1: the game that's interesting: is that dying is like it doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it the way that they've structured the rules. It's, first of all, it takes your character probably like two to three hours to die. Mm. and at any time...
0: And there's no coup de grace, which we talked about. There is about no... Together.
1: Yeah, there's no coup de grace, there's no ability to find somebody laying down on the floor who's dying and, and execute them so that their character is dead.
0: Which Lair does have, but yes. then Lair has a ridiculous resurrection rule, right, but, but it should be noted that Lair probably easier than Orem, and I, I've talked about this on the cast before, and I'm sure we've talked about it. Yeah, I do think in some ways, in d and I've... I've changed my mind about this over the years. I'm I'm getting kind of like tangenty here, but so back in the day when the concept of like characters dying were introduced to me, I was very much the DM that was like I hope the characters die. <laughs> yeah, <you> because <laughs> and, and, but like a part of that was because like I what I what I really think I liked was I like stakes. I like mm-hmm. I like people having um Like that that the fear of death, like saying to like, I've worked hard on this character and I really want to play this game in a way that I care about. And because, and I want to care about this. This right, situation. I want to be
1: deliberate, and I want to. I want to be tactical. Why? Yes. Because I have something to. to I have forward. something to
0: lose. Right. And but the problem is, is like I probably went overboard with it to the point where like it became no fun, and it's like, well, if my character's just going to die anyway, backfire, right? My character's going to die anyway, right? What's the point? So over the years, I, I've, I've, through reading and playing, and, and and us evolving as people, and this and that. I still, to this day, I still hold character death as something that I don't shy away from in my games, yeah. but I've also been, like, as a DM in Dungeons & Dragons, I've become more lax with it, where, like, I'll fudge the dice in the favors of the PC so that they live. Yeah. I will I will take extra steps to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, If I've done enough things to where, like, like if I've... If you're on a bridge and the bridge collapses, and you roll an acrobatic saving throw to try and jump to the ledge, and maybe I lower the DC so like you grab, but then like you roll and you botch, and I'm like, all right, well now you're slipping. Let me roll percentile die, and oh, well your handhold goes back to the next moment. Make another check, right? And you double botch. Like there's a point where it gets to be almost too comical and unbelievable to where I'm just like, well now Why, you're just I can't falling. keep you
1: alive anymore. You you're dying. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always I've struggled with it, and thats I think you're also saying that you struggle with it, is the... what makes the character die is important to me. So in your example for it's bad roles, and I hate killing a character because of bad roles, because that... That gives like we just talked about. You want a, car- a player to want to preserve their character and make good decisions. And if if it's not a, a result of your decisions that your character is dying, i feel really hard killing you for it. Right. Um, whereas if you let's say you're on that bridge and you know it starts, you, see, you know the DM says like the bridge starts to crack underneath you and you're like I start doing a ballet routine. Well, then your asshole, you're gonna die, and I don't care because you made the decision that led to the bad end. But you know, I, I I agree with you. I've also migrated over time into a much more uh, a sympathetic dungeon master. Don't want to kill people, right? Because it's for me, it ends up being about having a story that's fun to play through
0: and consistent and too. Consistent, it's yeah. hard when you have a re- revolving cast of characters. Oh yeah, yeah, please. But uh, but I what I was what I was getting at is to Lair's credit, they do have a permadeath. Though when you reach that high level, it's almost impossible. Even though that's the most permadeath would happen when you get to that high level, right. which is the way it's structured. But the fact that that fear of death does exist, I gave Lair a lot of credit for because when my character went down and I wasn't healed in the time in which Lair allows you before your spirit wanders and you have to be resurrected, I was real, nervous. You had some emotional investment in the outcome, right? Of what and was gonna happen and I was really pissed. I was like, if I like, it was one of the reasons why another one of my stories, I I remember how angry I was at Joe's. Very, I'll make a very short story. We went on. A, this guy with a scar came out and said, let's go on an adventure to help me track down the dude that gave me this scar. Joe's telling me, like, yeah, man, this is going to be, he hates that to tell this story. Like, you know, give it up for Lent almost. But, like, I, I, I tell it all the time. It's like, you know, this guy said, come find us. There was a dude who played... I'm not going to name drop the character. Oh, fuck it, I'll just name drop him. Baron Doomwalker. Mm-hmm. His, he has an alternate character who's not a dick, who's like a bear druid. Okay. And the druid is so nice. And we asked him, like, I forget the character, that character's name. But we asked him, we were like, hey, man, like, we could use a healer. Do you want to come with us? He's like, yeah. And he goes to come with us. And the NPC's like, no, I can only take the two of you. Mm-hmm. And red flags went up in my brain. And I was like, it's like, chill. Like, or at the time, I guess it was like Valerius or Vidar, or whatever character, whatever V care V. I was like, V. I was like, man, we got to. I was like, I don't know about this. Like, we shouldn't do this. And he's like, no, 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 man. This is just how it is. Sometimes there's a player limit and there's only. T- and, I- and I'm taking Joe's word for it because I'm yeah. new and I'm like, all right, fine. Sure enough, we got out in the woods. We get to an isolated area. Eight other guys come out. It's an ambush. <laughs> but before, like, I'm ready. Like, I draw and I'm ready. I turn around to see, like, if Joe's at my back. <laughs> and he's, run, he's 50 feet away already. And I stand no chance. I get the uh, bop, 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 uh, I had, I, I was down on the first two bop, bops. I'm down. Good for you, Joe. <laughs> and, Dude, and, live. And Granted, Grant he lived and he brought back up and they took care of it. But I died. I died, died. Yeah. And I, But the reason I'm so upset about that, I think, or the reason I was so upset about it, now it's just a fun story to tell. But at the time, the reason I was so upset about it wasn't that Joe necessarily like abandoned me or that he went to go get help. It was that- You in had that, an
1: inkling that this was going to be bad news? N-
0: no, it's not even that. It's the fact that character death- scared me because there's that fact that it's like i could have lost leo gun yep that could have yeah, been my ca- last time playing that character The character could have died because of that decision and 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 that was a very real role-playing decision right yeah like from a perspective of like like we got duped yep like in role-playing we were duped and in life like but like the dupe like it happened and something about that That danger, though, once again, to Lair's credit, I do like that.
1: It's thrilling. Now, here's the problem that I see in this. And it is that from a a game design perspective, if you make people afraid of death, you discourage them being what they're supposed to be at one of these things, which is a badass hero. Right. What you end up doing is you make people hesitant to go on adventures. And the entire point of going to this thing is to make a character and go on adventures. So that, to me is is the downside to that philosophy but the, i agree i think there is a thrill to know that you have something to lose i think the thrill in orm is a lot more diminished because of that but at the same time i find the counterbalance of being able to for example invent new things and like i have the ability to grow in the game in a way that i don't in Lair. and i think that that offsets by far that thrill you get because the thrill of punishment I think there's a better way to motivate people than the thrill of punishment.
0: I mean, I'm not disagreeing. I just, and also granted, like maybe I don't fit the mold, but for me, like it wouldn't stop me knowing the permadeath wouldn't stop me from going on an adventure. It's just more, it's more of what you said the first time where there's just another level of thinking and strategy, right? Like I, like for instance, in my case, I tried to take a healer and, and also a mistake I would never make again. I would next time someone's like, try to help me find, I'd be like. Huh. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a cautionary tale, right? Like, you know, in its end, and to Gygaxian credit here, the infamous player killer, while he kind of went overboard and, you know, as did I with his his Tomb of Horror modules. Fuck the Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, fuck the Tomb of Horrors is right. But at the same time, like, the best part about the Tomb of Horrors, in my opinion, is the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because if that doesn't teach you to play just a little bit more heightened... And like in terms of like maybe we should just take a second yeah. and not be impulsive and like think. I'm not saying that all characters have to be thinkers. Some characters are impulsive, but it's just like in general. In general, you don't. I don't like fitting the stereotype of the murder hobos. I don't like fitting yeah. the stereotype of just like you kicking go in indoors, just,
1: slaying everybody, and dealing with later. Right.
0: And tomb of horrors. To it once again. I'm not... I'm sure there are better ways to go about it, but to its credit... No, it teaches it you to be cautious very quickly. In the beginning. Spoiler. You're... 34-year-old year spoiler set, <laughs> however long it is. But, like, by this point, if you don't know, I mean, fucking get out from under the rock you're under. But in Tomb of Horrors... The very first two entrances that the PCs find, unless they roll a ridiculous They're perception fake, check, right? are fake. Mm-hmm. Both are trapped. And they, they, they really make like, you think it was real, right? Oh, yeah. Well, like, the thing is, it's not even that. It's that you find the first one. It's fake. It's trapped. And if you survive it, when you find the second one, it's just your brain tells you. Like, your brain is like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Right. And then you, you, get, like, you are fooled again. And the traps are deadly like it's like it's like rocks fall and cave in and it's crushing damage of a caliber that at the level you do the tomb of horrors is almost impossible to have a health point like that high. Mm-hmm. There's something like 15 D 10 of crushing. damage. Really? It was Jeez. something ridiculous, <laughs> but like very instantly it puts you on guard, which I mean it needed to if you were going to traverse the tomb. I mean, God knows is, a, like, is a
1: good training for the tomb, which is itself a death trap,
0: right? but and and while I don't condone like I said while I've aged and don't condone PC killing in that manner per se that again that cautionary tale there's something to be said there of like you know if you knew your characters couldn't die mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily okay. need that caution
1: so let's let's talk about what character death really is because yeah. there's an in character and there's an out of character whenever you play a role playing game like Dungeons Dragons of course. or when you go to one of these larps and and, and so in character, your character, the idea that you can't die should not enter your character's brain. The idea that you can die, you know, your character is just a person in a world. They should know that they can die. Right. And So so the, the threat of death only really affects you out of character. And it's that's what true. I don't like. Because your character should not behave if you're a good role player. Like death is not an option. but. Then you start making out-of-character calculations, and that is what I don't like. Mm. The, the idea that you know that there's these marbles in, in Lair, the, when you die, you go to the healing area or whatever, right. and then they have this, this jar of marbles, and there are some marbles that if you pick them, you come back, and
0: then there are a scant few marbles that if you pick them, you you don't come back, or whatever the, the ruling is. Go ahead. It's, it's a jar of white marbles, and when you're like level one, they're all white, and every time you get a resurrection... One of those marbles, um, they take away a white one and add a black one. Like, they, they'll know by the number of deaths you had how many the ratio is. But also at some point or another, when you reach a certain level, some of those marbles go from black to red. And so the differences are white is successful. You, you get resurrected if the healer picks the white marble. Black is the resurrection is not successful and they now have to try again. And red is permadeath. You are you are done. Roll a new character. So over time, through both leveling up and through number of deaths, the odds of permadeath affecting you increase. Mm-hmm. Granted, your survival in the game also increases at Lair. Um, but that's how that works. So it so essentially that's their way of longevity of, of not making a revolving door, is that if you're at a low level, they expect you're gonna die again. Their death system, in my opinion, is probably one of their strongest rule settings. That's not a bad
1: system. It, 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 if you have to have a death system, that's not a bad one,
0: right? And it, and it and it makes sense. And and I get it. But like the other thing I was going to say is, uh, and this is an acting thing. Is I could say this like I. I think I'm a, I have some authority on this, I would say. Some might call you an actor. Some might call me an actor. <laughs> some might like call every- me a teacher. Some might call me an acting teacher. <laughs> like
1: anybody would call you
0: an actor. <laughs> um, I may have taken some sort of amount of college time on this, may have a couple degrees. But I will, I will just say, from an acting standpoint, which is role-playing, mm-hmm. is that—and and, and I'm not disagreeing about being a good role-player. I'm just saying that you have a subconscious that inevitably influences your decisions— no matter how hard you try to think differently. Right.
1: There's no way to actually truly take, like to truly be my character's name is Harriel. There's no truly way to be Harriel. There's always Rocco playing Harriel.
0: Right. And with that being said, no matter how good of a role player you think you are, and no matter how your decisions are being made, and you're saying to yourself, like I'm role playing as if I have the fear of death, even when I don't. The fact of the matter is that because Rocco knows it subconsciously, even if only slightly, your decisions will be jaded. And I'll use the healer as an example. Mind you, this is still, this isn't even slightly, this would be a broad stroke. Right, he didn't come with you because of a rule. But but like, let's just say in that exact same scenario, someone said to you like, hey, come with us. And And I was like, well, we should just take the healer. And they're like, no, it can only be the two of you. Though red flags might be going up, you might not necessarily have the same level of hesitation going into the adventure because in the back of your mind, you know that no matter what happens, like the outcome will still be that you'll be OK. Yeah. Whereas I had the red flags of like, I might not be OK. Mm-hmm. And again, no matter how hard you say you try to role play it subconsciously. And that's a very your, that your example will, is very
1: complicated because he's giving I, I think. You know, in a LARP scenario, you in that specific instance, like, is he telling me that only two people can go because this is like Joe said, only a mission for two people, right? And that's a that's a that's a game thing. So I'm not gonna have my character think it's weird because I just want him to like be immersed, right? So I don't I don't want my character to be like, hmm, you said only two people can go. Are you planning to murder me? You're gonna be like, oh, I guess the game can only handle the two people going on this mission. And you'd be wrong, (laughs) because obviously that guy was trying to trick you to kill you. It's, there it's, are those it's moments take it away, you where know? you can't be sure whether you have to be Rocco or you have to be Harryel in the moment, or you have to be Dave, or you have to be Alvarez. So I, 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 I hear you, and I agree. I, I think that the the you know that the fear of death is an okay thing, and 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 to have that have out of character be afraid of the death, mm-hmm. and have that. I, I, I truly, as I've grown, it's truly become more about the stories for me. It's mm-hmm. become about the stories we tell. Um, You know, I, I, I love to create a beautiful story and have something that's emotional that you can actually like feel, you know, Um, and, and so when it's reduced to, you know, fighting for your life, that can be that's a fun that's thrilling, but at the same time. It's the heroics that 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 are the memories for me, mm. you know. Even though, I mean, that's I, I I say that, but at the same time, you remember the story after years and years and years because you died in a way that pissed you off. So I guess it's true that even dying can be a cinematic kind of fun story.
0: But so can the heroics because of the fear of death, r- right? R- yeah. Well, like, like we were this close, right? They like they literally almost had us, but then like we like came back and did it, like you know what I mean. Like, now there's... for
1: Orem, I will say in its defense, there you can get a total party kill, and guess what? You you guys are just crawling around on the floor for 10 minutes and then you pass out and you can die. But it's very unlikely to happen that right. way. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a design choice that a game creator makes. Do I want this to revolve around the fear of death and the thrill of maybe we will be defeated or, or do I have a system where most likely you will never really truly be defeated by the enemies? So then what is the conflict? What creates the conflict or what creates the drama? And then it has to be Interpersonal relationships, storylines, you know, I I, I got my character very quickly. Uh, My character is Prince. He's a prince, right? It's Prince Falcastle, Prince Harriel Falcastle or Harold Elton because you have to have a hyphenated first name when you play a noble. It's just like the culture. Um, So. Uh, one of the, the ways that I found the fun for myself, and I came in it with what I talked about before, that Dungeon Master's mindset, which is where I'm going to make the fun, right? They can offer me – they're offering me things to invest in, and I'm going to invest in them, and I'm going to bring other people along so that we all have a good time. So my character, his goal now is there's these this group of wild elves that live out there in the wilds, and they – stay. Pull off people's faces and they wear them, and they're gruesome. And they steal people, and they give them this kind of like Stockholm syndrome thing. It's very exciting. And so my character's like, okay, that's my enemy. I will now be the guy who crushes those people under his heel. That's going to be the way that he's going to win popularity with the people. It's gonna, so I, I created my own thing, and I guess it's the difference is 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 if you come there and you don't have that spirit of I am going to make the fun for myself. I don't even need you people. I'm going to make the fun, even if you give me nothing. I'd make the fun. If you have that mindset, then you can make anything fun. And if you don't, if you come into it just going like, I'm a player. This game is going to give me my fun. Then you do need a system like what you're talking about, where there's the fear of death, where there's like this, 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 like the last ditch, like, you know, going crazy combat where anything can happen because then you need to be injected with fun, whereas you don't provide it. So I think that comes from a different philosophy. And I think as you and I get older, you're a dungeon master, I'm a dungeon master. So we know what the process is of creating fun. I think you don't need it anymore. I don't mm. think you need that fear of death. I don't think you need that marble system anymore to get out of a game what you need to go home and say, wow, that was a good spending of $20 and a good spending of my weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not – I don't disagree with that. I just feel like I, – I don't think it – the fear of death should not be the motivating idea behind the game. But think about but I, Lair. Think like what else –
1: what, what is the fun – tell me. What is the fun
0: of Lair? But that's just the thing. Lair is an athletic RPG. Yeah, right. Like we just said LARP, I should say LARP. And because it's an athletic LARP, I think that is it's which is why it's not a great game. But in terms of parlor, in terms of role play, you're right. Like the fear of death, I don't think is necessary, but I don't think it should not exist. In my opinion, like it should just always be there because the end of the day, like I want to know. It also makes it not that it doesn't matter, but it matters Maybe I mean, I'm using hands here for an audio cast, but like <laughs> we're talking maybe a half an inch more it matters mm-hmm. when you defeat a villain, knowing that the day could have been lost yes now and 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 I'm not saying that's that that once again, I'm not saying that that has to be the prime motivation of fun, and it shouldn't be you're right, hundred percent, but it it's part of the this.
1: equation that creates the fun.
0: I do think it is part of it, yep. like for me, like I feel i mean just to kind of bring this up i two months ago three months ago i mean my character made i'm in so our i have a friend alex mcveigh you've probably met him I'm sure I maybe have. once okay um but alex uh i'm currently in, i'm a pc in his game mm-hmm. um and Jengis plays in the game and um james yep. plays in the game and yep. then our friend uh andy's andy i'm not gonna say the last name but one of one of our andy's we have two andy's one of our Andes plays in the game as well mm-hmm. um, and so Alex's game, my character ran in actually this is three months ago at this point because two months ago this is the game after it three or three months ago or so, maybe before Jesus might have been June um, This is May or June. We, uh, my character ran into this issue where I was on a ship. And I'm not going to talk about the logistics of how the situation was handled from a dungeon master's perspective, because that's a whole nother conversation, but we ran into a being that had a device and was very powerful and was a scion and long story short ended up like through this device and his own abilities at one point just shut me down, was able to full control me, no saving throws like, I wasn't really playing the game. I couldn't even speak. Okay. So, which was very frustrating for for me as sure. a player. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't want to get into that aspect of it. I'll just say that when my character, when the other PCs finally realized in-game that something was wrong with me and had an opportunity finally, because, like, I was like that, I'll tell you for what, like, it was probably like an hour and a half, two hours. Mm. Of not being able to play D anD D essentially,
1: yeah, just watching other people play D anD D. Which,
0: I mean, granted, yeah, sometimes I have to shut up and listen for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, listen, like, it
1: happens. That that's part of the game, you know. Sometimes you get dominated or something,
0: right? But the thing was, is there was no saving throws, yeah, and there was nothing I could do.
1: I was literally like,
0: I had to sit there.
1: There's a sense of injustice to that. Sometimes I'm
0: sure you could feel, but gone, right? Again, we're not going to debate how that could have been, right? That's a guy as a game master choice, right? That's whatever. So when I finally had the opportunity. The which involved one of my party members um, cast a protection from good and evil circle around me.
1: Right. That should give you the chance to pop out of the possession or whatever. It,
0: it broke me out and I had free will for up to 10 minutes yeah. again. And my character freaked out. Not like murderously. Like, like kind of like like PTSD mm-hmm. I blew a hole in the side we were on a casino ship yeah I blew a hole in the side of the ship I was playing um an ASMR that had the optional racial ability to once in a while you can like sprout golden yeah flying fly wings speed and for fly. a minute yeah I literally told them I was like I'm leaving I can't be here and they were like what do you mean and I'm like I don't know how long I have. If this spell is the only thing breaking me out of this, I cannot go under that control again. I will never let this happen to me. I promise you all one day I will, I will, I will remedy this situation and perhaps we'll meet again in the future. If I survive the swim, I said, but I am getting as far away from here as possible and hoping that distance will allow my control to break. And my character left the game. I rolled a new character Mm -hmm. because my character blew a hole in the side of the ship, ignited wings, flew as fast while my while my friend concentrated on his protection spell on me yeah my character flew as fast as i could full fly speed full run mechanics whatever mm. you want to call it until my wings stopped and then swam swam roughly. and my character's fate is now in the hands of the dm i told the character i told him i was like we decided i was gonna i rolled a new character and i have somebody else in the game and that other character may come back as an npc at some point but that mm-hmm. was Alibris. Wow. Alibris is no longer in the game. Yeah, Leo Gun's back, Uh, (laughs) but but Alibris literally. And this was a a very different. Well, not very different, but this was um, this was the cleric Alibris. Yeah, he's always kind of bouncing
1: between wizard or
0: cleric a little bit. of both. I mean, I've been playing. He always mostly a wizard. He's always a wizard. He's always magic. Right, like that's his shtick. Yeah, but this was very much like he was a healer because the the party needed healer. He's still Alibris. Still loves magic. Arcana domain. Mm -hmm. But like this was my Alibris. But like. Uh, from a from a play from a character's perspective, I mean, as well as a player, but from a character's perspective, that was horrified, Alibris, not having any control and not being able to do anything about it. So he's gonna leave. And I told and I told Alex afterwards. He asked me, so like, what would he do? And I was like, well, honestly, I mean, Alibris, I always play him similar to my own personality, where I'm very competitive. Like Alibris, it's like you you fuck with him, you get the horns, right? Like that's just what it is. He's not going to give up this grudge easily. He's probably, if he survives, he's going to go off, try to find train that. like hell until he thinks he's strong enough to come back and he's going to murder this dude. He's gonna, he's gonna enchantment himself up. He's gonna make himself, but again, this this was not, and that wasn't fear of death per se. That was fear of just a different type of death almost, like loss of control, right? Yeah. And so it's just like. That was just I, I had a point to this, and I forget. Well, what, it was. The, 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 what we were talking um, about is
1: like that's what creates the fun, right? Or or that's part of the like the experience. Is the fear of death something that adds to the experience of fun?
0: I guess yeah. And so I had man, I had a point to this though. That was something along those lines, and I've lost it now that I was telling this story. But like yeah, so Alibus pieced it. He like straight up like left because of that of of this of this fear, right? But like but there was something not. It was shit. Oh well i'm sure i'll rewind this when i'm editing the podcast to be like that's what i wanted to say and now i can <laughs> um but like yeah it just i re- i just remember just being like it was something to do with role-playing we were talking about characters talking about fear of death talking about something I think well, what something do you what do you how, how do I you own. feel about that experience like do you
1: first of all i i know that you might have feelings about your character just having like literally no free will for an hour that's well, it wasn't very fun to sit through. No. but but like it sucked. No, I'm sure it wasn't fun. Um that that said, you know, sometimes bad shit happens to your character and it's not fun. Right. That's the game. That's the nature of the game to a degree. Um But I guess the question is is like, are you satisfied with the outcome of how that happened?
0: Yes, and no. And I think that hold on. I'm on the Come on. what we're talking about was on the tip of my tongue. I think it was about DMing. You were talking about as we grow as DMs. As we grow
1: as DMs, it's more about making beautiful stories. And it's not as much about that whole like just like pitched battles.
0: It was something in that vein. I guess it was just going to say like, shit, it was something to do with. This is going to bother me. I have a feeling my point had something to do with the fact that like my character specifically will never get through the story. But that's because of. Reaction that I had of the game, whatever. We'll continue on. It might come back to me. Okay. Repeat your question to me. Well, I guess my question is, is because what we're talking
1: about in, in the general sense, right? Is is uh, what is it about being a player? that makes you have fun. Where does the drama come from? Does it come from a story? Does it come from a, like the situational, uh, like a fear of a situation? Or does like, for example, nowadays I feel that that my enjoyment from playing Dungeons & Dragons or even going to these LARPs is about the 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 beauty of like a story, the emotion behind the story. Mm. And obviously what you're talking about is a hugely emotional moment for your character. So I guess I'm wondering like, it doesn't seem from the story that you had a lot of fun in that situation and even the resolution didn't seem to be a lot of fun for no you. I mean you like- <laughs> ended up losing your character because you were like oh my character would not continue this whatever adventure we're having right now his new adventure is to get good and come back and kill this dude and that's like a hugely emotional that could be rewarding but it's not, I mean that situation doesn't seem very rewarding it seems like you have to essentially you have to kill off your character without killing him off because the situation was something in which you with your integrity of playing your character is like I am not going to stand for this. I'm right. not going to have my character. My character would never stand for this.
0: Exactly. And that's and that's and that's and that's true. And I told and I mean I, I talked with Alex about this and I think he felt a little bad, but at the same time, and I think maybe my point had something to do with sandboxing versus a story and railroading and yeah. this and that because I think that and I think that and even, even if this wasn't my point, I, I have a new point. And my point is that is that, <laughs> is that um, something we we always toy with is like I think there was a time where when we first began, it was all about like, you have to do this one story. Oh my God. It was so it railroady. Do you, Hunter mountain, do you remember but, that game in Hunter mountain? I mean, that must've oh, yeah. been the
1: railroadiest thing. I mean, we didn't know at the time. It what didn't the matter. Hell, we all, was, oh, man, had, we, had we had a great time, shit,
0: but yeah. But like at the same time, then there was like this, then there was like a revolt against it. And then everything was sandboxy, but then the and problem was, that, wasn't great, either, that wasn't great either. Right. So the problem is, is finding that line between like, how can you keep the story fresh and interesting without railroading? And when your characters do take a left turn, like, how can you effectively roll with the punches? Yeah. Because I do think that there were, there were probably better ways to roll with that. My character, I mean, first off, how my character got into the situation, I think mostly was just because like he was being his snarky self, and yeah, it it was what it was. But like, when your character blows a hole in the ship and decides to piece it, like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I mean that that is that is a problematic moment in a Dungeons and Dragons game because a that should never happen in a D&D <laughs> game. It, I mean, it can, the right. character can die and that can be a way that they exit the game. But generally speaking, if your character gets so frustrated by the world around him that he is like, I am done with this fucking story and I'm out of here. That is in the end, a reflection on a DMing experience and maybe a player experience as well. Right. That, that was not right. Right. Um, now that said, uh, I would. What I, was, I think I was looking through TG the other day, and uh, Jesus, I, yeah, right? God bless you. Well, you know, <laughs> listen. If you want to get the, if you want to get it raw, go to Four Chan. Um, but, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it, the, the, one of the threads that was up there, not that TG is any good anymore, but it, occasionally there are moments. Um, y- y- there was a thread saying, like, it was essentially talking about railroading, and I guess what I want to talk about is what is the use of railroading and how ha- and what you mentioned like where's the middle ground between railroading and between sandboxing mm-hmm. because you, it, what he said is like it, essentially this thread was like sandboxing sucks like i'm sick of sandboxing i create this whole world for my players and then i put them in there yeah go 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 i remember
0: you i remember you did, it. you did it yes you did it all right what's your point oh i love you you did it okay so what it was what my point was and, and I, I don't forget yours. Cross your fingers so you don't forget. Don't worry, I won't. But what my point was is that sometimes. So I I exited the game as that character because for me, it's about this. It is about the story. And I want the story to progress. And I knew that my character, not just in terms of what he would do in that moment, but I think I recognized fundamentally with my DM's frustration with my character that perhaps this incarnation with Alibris. It wasn't fitting. It wasn't fitting how the story needed to evolve and go. Mm -hmm. And I needed to play a different character. And I couldn't, there's no way for me to 180 Alibris so I willingly let Alibris go out of the game knowing in my heart of hearts that if I created a new character that could meld more with the way in which the story is being told, that I would be able to then unfold this saga better. Because at the end of the day, I do, even even though it can be railroady sometimes, I mean, if it's done if it's done masterfully, it doesn't feel that way and right. it can be kind of sandboxy too. But at the end of the day, like, I want to turn the page. I am not the person that wants to, I am not you the sandbox player that wants to say, you got a princess in distress. I want to go to the opposite side of the continent yeah. and go like, you know, fuck with some orcs over there. Yeah. I'm not that person. I I recognize because I've I've been a dungeon master for so long, mm-hmm. I recognize the importance of the time and the effort and that goes the, into the, yep. that goes into it. And even if you're doing a pre-made, which requires maybe less effort You still and time, put a lot of
1: effort into it. You
0: still and also there's an excitement. There's an excitement for a dungeon master to tell the story. There's an excitement for them in the, like for me as a dungeon master, the only thing that keeps me going as a DM is my players. Right. It's seeing the magic in their eyes as I reveal the story to them. And as they figure things out and they, and like the pieces of the puzzle, like sort of finally start to kind of fit together. I love watching revelations. I love mm. watching them enjoy the story that I've crafted. So I think what it was, what my point was is that I had recognized, cause we're talking, what makes it interesting is it the story, is that at that point in time, despite whatever the situations for DM and player were, I, I just instinct instinctively knew that for us to turn the page. He had to go. Alibris needed to leave.
1: And that's a decision that like, honestly, that's like a that's a decision that you wouldn't have always made in life. Like, no. I mean, when we were younger, it would have been would like have said, well, I'm I'm gonna fuck this guy right now. And you would have like hijacked the whole game to getting that guy. Yeah, I remember. I mean, that's that's definitely how we were when we were younger, because we didn't understand the responsibility of being a player right and that is what you did in that scenario then it clearly you did the right thing even though it sucked and you didn't get to play the character you wanted that happens sometimes where you make a character and then you get into the world and you realize those two do not match right and and then you either have to like i all the time dude i always have in my head what the game is going to be like before i know fucking anything about the game which is always bad because Mm -hmm. you always have an idea that's different from what your dungeon master has so yeah you never want to do that i think in the end Balancing the sandbox. A good dungeon master balances the sandbox and the railroad by creating a railroad like a, a, <laughs> a, road, a road made of sand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, there is a there it's it's just like it's it's more of an overarching plot line in right. which you have lots of opportunities to explore on the pathway there and a lot of the 5e um premades are starting to really lean into that in a big way it's
0: one thing that i've really enjoyed about i mean recently, not that i like
1: premades i generally don't but uh, but, but that's a difference that uh it, that's
0: huge it's one thing that i've really really enjoyed recently about our game is yeah. that um the thing that i liked about Waterdeep. so like we've you know, we've brought on the topic of adulting as it is commonly called and how schedules sometimes don't always mix and match and, and work. And I've gotten frustrated because like, I just, at the end of the day, I just want to play with all of you. Right? No, no. I mean, it's and another it never reason it
1: comes together. We try so many times it never works out.
0: Right? And it's also why it's another reason why my FOMO is so big for stuff like Orm is because I, I don't get to see you all regularly enough and get to do the role-playing thing that knowing that it's happening without me is like so, like it just it's like it's like grating on me because like it's just like I sit here like, oh, I want to be a part I know it's like our thing. Because it is. And you know, and, and, and you're not a part of it. That's tough. But I know. but at the same time, I've also accepted the fact that I needed to evolve in terms of like it can't be like when we were kids and it was like, we're gonna find a day where we can all come together all the time. It's just not gonna happen. So yeah. I've evolved to now being like whoever can make it make it that's if we have a we're good, playing the game and 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 if we have a good majority of people maybe we'll do something that's worthwhile but really it's going to be up to the people who are here and that's the
1: nice thing about that game is that you can dick around on the side right is that where you have like one person who shows up or two people
0: water Deep is an is a sandboxy place yeah. with a nice overarching story so i've had and like last game i was shocked because i'll be honest the last game the last game that happened uh joe crystalline and bevan and me yeah. Um, we had we had left off where uh, we left off with two very interesting like divergent paths. <laughs> One led to like straight up main plot, like water deep spoilers coming up. Um, they have discovered where um, they've discovered the the key, the uh, or not the key per se, but the thing that can get them the keys to uh, the vault. They discovered the stone of galore. they finally got it. and the thing that the the MacGuffin, the thing that they've been chasing to lead them to the vault. It's it's finally here. And that was the that's the main plot. And then sort of like the side plot that's inspired by I mean, the game gave me some of this, but some of this is really just of your own making. Is first off, this one character that was supposed to be in and out immediately, I turned into like a mafia don. Oh, this is the Marlon Brando character. Yes. (laughs) And it ended up being one of the best parts about the game, in my opinion. I love playing that character and I love everybody's reactions to her. She's so good. Um, she was supposed to be gone. Like, she's supposed to like stick around for like a couple yeah, days. Like and leave. a one and done character, right. right? But like, she just somehow evolved <laughs> into like this reoccurring NPC, and she's great. I'm having a lot of fun with her. So there's that. But then there's also this like the the, Frude, the rival Emric Emric the Frude, rival business owner who who has this whole plot line that like as I said, I can't take credit for it. And some of it is established in the Waterdeep pre made. Yeah, but it's clearly taking the, the life of its own. It has it. especially like there was a great interaction. So in the game that you were at right before the last, yeah, yeah. Um, the my PCs. Rocco included they all walk into Emmerich's bar and it's like this moment of just like and they want what was great is that they all had the urge to be murder hobos in that moment with the exception with the exception of Rocco Rocco was like the only one who as his character which is it's actually Harriel's son Typhon in the game Um, Mm -hmm. Typhon as as this sort of noble esque character was the only one that like had like this level head of like, maybe we should just all calm down, let's try to talk it out. But everybody else had to just yeah, stand Joe's there. Joe's
1: character Vidar was like, <laughs> <laughs> stab your fucking eyes out.
0: Like, they just all, but it wasn't just him, it was him, it was Crystal, it really was everybody. Revin, like, everybody wanted to murder this dude, but also because like I was definitely playing into it. it was oh, just like yeah, great, you romance. made that dude,
1: he would have been a joy
0: to kill yeah, that dude, right? <laughs> But what was great is, is because of that, then we had a smaller party and Joe and Crystal and Bevan decided not, like, they could have. They could have walked into the vault and advanced the main plot like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They decided their adventure that day was going to be more of that sandbox with this dude, Emric Froon. And it was all about, like, their bar versus his bar and, like, the intricacies of this, this twisting plot that connected the two. And it was great. And it was a lot of fun to play. And most of the time, those are the things that the players remember almost even more than
1: the regular like because uh, uh, an experienced player can smell the railroad right you know when you're being put on the main quest the dungeon master gets starts reading from the book he gets all excited right things start happening that are really of consequence but it's those little moments that the players create where they invest really heavily into your story and then they carry that into the main quest and that's what that's that's definitely what i mean when i mean like a railroad made of sand right where where if you give them the room to flex their creativity, when they get back to the railroad, they're so much more invested in the whole game. And that's like the, that is when Dungeons and Dragons or any kind of role playing is like, it's at its most beautiful when the dungeon master isn't the only one creating the story, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And I think that that, and that speaks to, as I said, this philosophy of getting people together. I, I really do think that going about our games this way is, the, is a smarter way to do it yeah. because it just like, it just means in general, we will all play together. Maybe not all together, but together in some way, we will play more often. Yeah. You'll definitely when, get more
1: game done. And that's good for everybody who shows up whenever they do.
0: Right. Because you'll you, the opportunities are there. Now, it, it doesn't work 100% of the time. We tried to schedule a game like a week ago and, and like, it, just, it, it all fell through, yeah. which is fine. It happens. That can happen. But even still, since I started doing this, we I think we played like more games in the last like two months than we played since we started like trying to play it consistently. Almost. Yeah,
1: that's definitely true.
0: Um because it's just it just works out easier for people to yeah. just sort of all la cart come, you know. And
1: that's why I think and and to piggyback off of that, I think that's why anybody who's designing any game, especially for friends who are like adults and they are not able to always come to everything, should should make creative decisions to make Things that are like Waterdeep. So what is Waterdeep? It is a big but local setting, right? Everybody's in a city for the whole game for the most part, right? Right. So if if Dave can only come to my game, and the other characters ought to be there in the logic of the game, well, guess what? They're somewhere else in the city. Like it, it's not where like we're. It's not like a Lord of the Rings kind of style where like, well, where, where the fuck did Legolas go? We were traveling together <laughs> on this road for like six weeks, and now <laughs> the elf is gone, right? So that, obviously, you know, there's rules. There's are not rules, but there's custom. Where it's you know, he's in the background. He's there, there the whole time but but that doesn't have to be right. in your water game it can just be like oh typhon's off doing something this right week. he's or, not there and then when i come back they have to fill me in and that's a, a measure of actually a fun
0: yeah it is and it, and it's you know and also like i i really like the um just talking about water deep there for a second and what we've done with it mm-hmm. again a lot of my favorite parts are again the player created content or threads that i started and that you have all built up like yeah. there's this character that i built into the game um, I just took a random noble house that I found in Waterdeep and built it into something. Like, there's this random entry in the Waterdeep campaign about this house phylund and the fact that they're like monster hunters. In fact, I don't even know if that monster hunter thing is in there. I might have made that up. That's
1: so funny because but, I could have not. I would have never been able to tell you that that wasn't just a part of the written game.
0: Oh, that is not a part of the game yeah, at all. See, I had no idea. I literally so made interesting. that. I made that so up. I made that was my that was my thread because I was like, because. Because for two reasons, one because I i mean obviously I needed to give a hook right for your character to make it make sense, and also like yeah. Lucrezia, this whole thing like it's all this is all me right awesome. that was that was all me that's awesome. But, but what I love about it is that I also knew that in the back of my mind I was like, if they ever get bored of the main plot, there's something there for them. I know, I know you all, and you all fucking. If there's two things that I've learned over the years that you all love it's fight clubs and monster hunting <laughs> it's like Coliseum arena style fight clubs it's pretty succinct or like or like or like or like you know or like fucking trophy hunting right it's true so i literally was like i'm going to put the house here so i know that if they're bored to shit with going after this vault at some point or if we need to just kind of like take a break mm-hmm. that they can always go to house Fyland and he'll be there to be like hey like, yeah, I've got something. Which There's happened. Can Mary in my basement? It hap- it happened with, with Phil and Jengis. They came over, oh, it was really? just the two of them. Bevan didn't want to play. It was just the two of them. And I had them go after a bunch of displacer beasts. Oh, and yeah. it morphed into a small tie-in to that brain baby that you mm-hmm. all killed having a sibling. Once again a little thing that came out of this idea of Sandbox. But what was great is while they were doing that, then when you were here with Joe, Krystalyn, and Bevan, it was like they, I were, was doing like, their they were doing that thing. And we were doing our thing. Right. And Which so- is great. Like
1: it, it takes a really good DM to thread stories like that. But, I mean, we've been doing it for so long. It's, it's, it's great that we've picked up those skills over the years because I've, I've – man – could you imagine being a new Dungeon Master again?
0: It's hard, man. <laughs> it's so hard. It's Everybody hard. needs
1: to do it. If you play
0: Dungeons & Dragons, if you are a role
1: play gamer, you need to get into the driver's seat. You yeah. must. But, man, the fuck-ups that you make.
0: Oh, for sure. And, and like, the other thing is I was – I know this is kind of, like, circling back slightly, but just sort of circling back to what makes a game fun. The one thing for me – and it's, like, it's probably the most elusive thing in a D&D game um, – Is that I just, and I, and I, you know, I, I I struggle with this because in some ways there's, there's merits to not doing it, but in other ways, like it, I just, I, it's like my, not quest, um, I, I don't even know what I can call it. It's like my MacGuffin, my, my, it's like the thing I am always chasing after, but never can quite reach. Okay. Um. I would love to have it not only DM a game. Well, I did DM a game. I DM'd a game. I achieved the DM version of this. I never achieved the PC version of this. Um growth from one to end. Yeah. In college, I DM'd a game where that happened.
1: Yes, you did. I do remember that
0: you did I, that. I did. In that in my college game, my, my college game, right? It was a third that morphed into a fourth when mm-hmm. fourth came out. And Yeah, you had a whole the, crew. I did. I had a huge crew. And that crew, they took their characters from level one all the way to it was like level 26 when the game <laughs> ended, which was far beyond the Level one twenty. It's your white whale. That's what it is. It, it was but I DM'd <sighs> that game. I've always I have a I have a mini version of that goal to do something like that with all of you, which is I hope in time what Waterdeep we'll would Water maybe Deep. get through. And once it's done Waterdeep, from there we can go anywhere. But my hope is that the game even if, even if we pause or whatever, that that game progresses and eventually I get you. I want you to finish my story. I want you all yeah. to get there. But even then, I've at least tasted that before. I've never tasted that as a PC. I think I played a game with Phil once where we got from 1 to 15. That was pretty exciting. Or maybe
1: like 5 or 6 to 15, which feels like almost all, but really it's only like 10 levels. Still, you're right. I mean, you know, I... I I totally understand. I I think it would be something nice to have on, like, to to, to notch on my belt as a Dungeons Dragons player, because I don't think I've ever done it myself. That said, I think you would get the same thrill, because the character's abilities are the character's abilities, but it's a story. It's it's the completion of a grand story. Right. I have gotten that once, I think, again, that same game from Phil. It feels like I went from 1 to 20, because... I started as a shit kicking, like you know, shit heel character. Not really. I mean, he was a noble, but whatever. But he was weak, and he was young, and he was inexperienced. And not only did the story progress to a place that was really cool, and we had a great completion, and he, and it, it was like you could tell that this was a story he meant to tell from day one. But also, um, my character grew into from a boy to a man in the course of that story, which was really satisfying. Right. And I think that think about whether that's the satisfying the satisfaction that you're looking for. Maybe you just want, literally, I want to go from one and I want to hit 20 and that could be a benchmark. And I don't blame you for
0: that. It's, it's both from a DMs perspective. It's the, it's more of the former from a player's perspective. It's It's, more of the latter or I should say both. Yeah. Right. Because from, from a, from a DMs perspective, I want, I want to have that. I did in college. I gave them that, that grand story. Yes. And it, and it finished and it was beautiful. I want to do that for all of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm using Waterdeep as a jumping point, but I honestly like if you guys decide once this portion, the the pre-made is done, I'm really more looking forward to designing Around whatever you, the next like, steps did are for Where do we end you. up,
1: and what happens next? Yeah. Right,
0: and I'll design, and I want, and I want this to be the jumping point mm-hmm. for what is going to be my story for all of you. What is Waterdeep? What is what are the levels for Waterdeep? I mean, you're almost done. It's like seven or eight. It's, oh really? Yeah, you're like you're you're at the end. Oh, I didn't know. That. You're you're at the end of of what is in there, and then it's... and and we don't need to like. If you guys decide you want to go on to Undermountain, like, it's there, but there's no plot to Undermountain, per se. Yeah,
1: no, that's, like, we would need a reason to go to Undermountain. Right. Which and the game is probably not going to provide. It's just this there. I
0: mean, there might be a hook, but even then, I would much prefer... To go we, out into the world. Right, because we already have a plot that I've started to craft for all of you, and that plot doesn't involve... No. <laughs> i mean it is that i'm
1: broke it
0: is but like it, there's also there's a marriage aspect there yeah there's everybody else has other things that they have going on like there's 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 definitely things that we can do that i would love to give you a grand story and finish and whether or not that i think that gets you to level 15 or whether or not that gets you to level it's 25. about the sense of
1: completion yes i want to give
0: ahead. you that completion as a pc I I want I want both but more so I want the literal mechanics progression because while I've played characters of almost every level by this point you've never grown a character I've never grown a character which the thing is I always talk about is you can jump into a character at level 20 and think that you're really powerful and think you have all these amazing abilities no but you can't really play that character because since you didn't grow with it it's it's like picking up a sword that's four sizes too heavy for you and assuming that you're going to wield it perfectly.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like It's like being a caveman jumping into a mech suit. Like, that's cool. There's so many things here, I don't
0: even know how to use them. Right, like you can mash buttons and probably shoot some rockets out of the fucking suit. And you'll be very powerful. You'll be the most powerful caveman. But but just someone that built that fucking suit, they're going to know the ins and outs. Exactly, and
1: there is a degree to... I mean, that's undeniable, what you're saying. It's absolutely true.
0: And that, I think, is why as a PC, I yearn for more of the mechanic completion, whereas a DM for me, it's... It's more of, as you said, more of just a story, story thing.
1: Yeah, no, I don't blame you for that. And, you know, also there's the, actually, um, one of the things that most people miss when they like, okay, we're going to make a 20th level game. Dude, there are items that you should be getting. There are boons that you should be getting. There are there are things that you get over the course of a lifetime of a character that you don't think to give yourself when you're just rolling up a 20. Oh, yeah. So there is a, there is a life that the character lives and that gives him extra powers and understanding and items and contacts. Because like, imagine you play Alibris, the 20th level wizard. Now Alibris, the 20th level wizard would be like Elm Minister. He would have a network of thousands of people who would serve his needs or who adventures that he's sending out, like you can't just fabricate that in a night.
0: Right. And so, also, but and the other thing is that is perceived, perceived 20 versus real 20, right? In terms of character. We assume that would be what Alibris would be at 20. But for all we know, for whatever reason, let's use Planet of the Ick. Icar- for as an Mm -hmm. example. Yeah, it could be a fucking... Like, for all we know, like, we don't know what could happen to Alibris. Mm -hmm. What happens if, like, in the course of Planet of the Ick, what happens if when Alibris gets to 1516, he's trying to, once again... He goes back to trying to be like, I'm gonna get back home, I'm gonna mm-hmm. figure this shit out, but instead ends up like
1: in another dimension. Or,
0: or or blows up everything and everyone in that dimension. Yeah. And now it's just him and the swamp people.
1: <laughs> He's like the Yoda. And and instead, <laughs> and
0: so him at level 20 wouldn't have a network of all these things just because of the way the story has changed his character. And he fundamentally might make different decisions about what the spells he would take, that's true. And the items he would have. That's true. So the thing is, is that's the other portion. There's an of organic
1: like, aspect to it. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's and that is at the core, the 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 creating a character and then having your expectations rocked by a game, that's the core of the of the fun oh, of yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, that's why we play. We don't play to have a predictable experience. Mm-hmm. And I mean, whether it's LARP, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons. That's the reason that I love role playing. I mean, that's that's the fun of it. You get to experience a thousand lives and a thousand lifetimes. And it's fucking great.
0: Well, that's our episode. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that was a good way to end it. All right. A thousand, <laughs> a thousand lives and a thousand lifetimes. If I can remember that, if I can remember that, that'll be the name of the episode. If you're. If you're if you're listening to this episode and it's not named that, either A, I forgot it, or B, thought of something better, but it's probably not B and most likely A.
1: <laughs> and send them an email and tell them to change it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Rock, thanks for coming out. It's and a pleasure. Being... You'll definitely be hearing more of
1: my voice on here, I'm sure, awesome. because this is a blast. And, uh, and I'll, whenever I get the time to roll by the shop here, let's do some more of this. Nice. I got a lot to get off my chest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Word. It's good. It's good shit, man. It's therapeutic. All right, listeners. Have a great month. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on GeekyK.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysnpgcast at gmail.com.